There's a border between Gondor and, you know what, I don't have the book with me, and I'm not that well versed in it, but in any event, there's a border. And it's between Gondor or wherever. There's a border, a border around Mordor. There's a border around Rivendell. There's a border. There's actually a border where the Shire ends, and I think Rivendell begins. Uh, why, why was this Tolkien guy obsessed with this divisiveness of having these things called borders? Because our elite ruling libtard, demon-worshipping, adrenochrome, guzzling masters are telling us you people's obsession with borders is sick. Why don't you just say that you people's obsession with country is wrong? Here's one to chew on for you for a moment. Your average run-of-the-mill libtard spends an inordinate amount of time finding things in the past that they think are wrong, which is pretty much everything. <laughs> Anything that was done that was positive, especially if it had any Christian patina to it, it's wrong. And it was done by evil, despicable, diabolical white people, right? They latched on to this thing called colonialism. And under colonialism, they, uh, they, they say that American <clears throat> colonialism, we invaded here, we invaded there, the British did, invaded South Africa, the British invaded uh, parts of China, took control, the British didn't, because they were colonizing it, right? So colonialism is evil. It's straight up evil. And I think maybe in some instances that may be correct. But what are they counseling that we do now? Reverse colonialism. So let's take those that we uh, supposedly colonize, and I'm not aware that we actually colonized Mexico or, South or Latin America, but apparently I guess we did. And let's reverse colonize. So we're going to have reverse colonialism. We're going to take all of those that we went down and invaded and took over, and we're going to reverse that, and we're going to have them come up into the United States and take over here. The only problem being that they will never amass the numbers, so that's not going to happen, and they don't have the skills, trades, knowledge, or know-how to do the rest of it. Uh, they're not good at building weapons that I know. Of course, that George Soros could put weapons in their hands, I imagine. So I think that the reverse colonization effort is going to fail on the first grounds. But will it fail on the second grounds, which would be to set the United States and all of her lower 48 states on a crash course with third world nations? Is it actually possible to steal, to remove, to destroy the civilization and wealth of an entire continent by orchestrating a plan like the one these clowns are orchestrating. There's no doubt in my mind that destruction is the order of the day. You know, yesterday, we'll play the soundbite, when Peter Ducey tried to ask Corinna Jean-Pierre, uh, okay, can, can you tell us, Corinna, what does 10,000 Illegal migrant immigrants crossing our southern border, which is illegal. What do you call that? 
And the first word out of her mouth was GOP. At which point Ducey went, you call them Republican? This is, <laughs> you're in charge of executing the pilot. It's, you know, the placard for today's show, uh, and by the way, if you're watching on Rumble Talk, uh, if they can find money to, to yeah, to send to Ukraine, well, they're going to send, uh, what, another $500 million? How much, what's, today, what's today's check? $325 million. Oh, a mere 300 And so Zelensky came here to get a check. Can I get a check? <laughs> Zelensky actually came here to beg Biden for another check. When Biden reached into the checkbook that's in the president's desk, as we learned in National Treasure 2, and cut him a check for $325 million. And then you have John Kirby out there pledging that we're going to send another $500 million or $125 million worth of American munitions to the Ukrainians. I'm going like, these people are like cannon fodder now. Literally, if you know what cannon fodder is, the Ukrainians that have survived are literally cannon fodder for NATO and the United States and the Biden regime. Another destructive act. As I said, or as I was uh, telling uh, someone... If the United States would stop funding just today, say that's it, we're cut, you're cut off. You're not getting another nickel. As a matter of fact, we want you to start paying us back for the weapons we already gave you. The Ukrainians would surrender tomorrow. They would be sitting somewhere at a desk with Zelensky and Putin somewhere, and or the Secretary of State of, of either country would be meeting somewhere to negotiate the terms of a settlement, a ceasefire and then a settlement. And this whole thing would be over. But you see, American neocons can't allow that to happen because they don't have anyone else to blow up. What people don't understand is that your average American neocon, Decepticon as they call him, does not, ha he has to have someone to make war on because he's so heavily invested in his mantra that, that the, the problem with the rest of the world is it doesn't think like they do. And it's not even that they don't think like the, the people in the United States do. It's that, let's be specific, it's that they don't think like them. In other words, Bill Crystal thinks that everyone in Russia should think like him. Not like Americans writ large or on the average, but specifically like him. David Frum and the rest of the usual suspects that are Decepticons all think the same way. That's what they think. And yeah, there are a lot of Republicans that admit Romney thinks that the reason that there's something wrong with the Russians is that Putin doesn't think like him, for example. Ditto that, but just insert your Lindsey Graham. Lindsey Graham. Uh, I, I'll tell you, uh, the, the problem over there with the, with, with the Russians is that, that they don't think that they, 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 they're not acting like Ukrainians. And they're not thinking like Ukrainians or like people like me. And if, they, and if they're not going to do that, then they need to die. This is the greatest investment we ever made in military hardware. But I got to say, dude, they're doing this stuff in broad daylight now. With they, Either they think that Biden is, is, is just going to get clobbered by Trump and there's no point in belaboring that. So let's just do everything that we can do right now. In other words, throw the kitchen sink. <laughs> Here's what here here is every libtard pipe dream ever, and we want all of them to start coming true. I want my dreams to come true. 
That may be what is driving this, because it certainly can't be policy, and it certainly can't be an objective to win another election. American people now, your average Joe Sixpack is going like, okay, dude, I don't know what you're doing, but the people in Maui got like 700 bucks, and the people in Ukraine get 20 grand a day, 20 grand a week. And now you're flaunting it in our face. Now you invite the little tyrant in his little uh, his little green fatigue suit. You know, I think that Fetterman and Zelensky make a great team. With all the billions, uh, 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 hundreds of billions of dollars we have thrown that we don't have at the Ukrainians, you'd think that Zelensky could dip into the pot and at least buy a suit. Instead, yesterday, he showed up in the Castro, as a matter of fact, it's, 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 it's not even as classy as Castro, at least Castro's suit. Castro's green running suit at least had uh, epaulets on it, or epaulets. You know the thing to sit up on your shoulders? Uh, kind of like Saddam. Saddam's green, uh, green jumpsuit at least had the epaulets on it. He had the appearance of appearing to be a leader, in other words. But I want to pivot to something else. If the Biden regime knows that the southern border is being crossed illegally and is sending leaflets and flyers to parts south to tell those men to start their march towards, uh, towards America and is told, look, cross here. When you get there, they'll tell you where to go. Cross here. You will not be detained. You will not be, you, you will not be stopped. There, there, there's, there's, there, there's no wall to climb. There's no river to swim or anything. If you cross here, you are guaranteed passage into the United States. This is why Congress should get serious about this. Stop doing the clown show that it's, uh, that it's currently undergoing. And uh, actually start treating these people as enemies, as any enemy, uh, enemy combatants. If you were to treat them as enemy combatants, and then if Congress were to pass a resolution declaring that the people that have left their countries that have not legally obtained visas and permission to enter the United States, but instead choose to enter the U.S. through the ports of entry on the southern border, that we, that those people are to be designated enemy combatants. That means that they're alien, they're not alien friends anymore, they're alien enemies. That means for the Biden regime to say, well, the problem we have is, is we don't have enough CBP agents to sign everyone in. I mean, this is actually what Corinna Jean-Pierre and the Biden regime sent her out there to say yesterday. Here's the problem. It's not that we have 400,000 uh, migrants sneaking in every month or 300,000, whatever the number is. That's not the issue. The issue is that we don't have what we need are more CBP agents. So they all get their cell phone, their meals ready to eat and what have you. And they and then they, they, they all process. So it's a problem of processing. It's not a problem of assimilation. It's not a problem of invasion. It's not a problem of the actual numbers involved. Unless you're talking about the, the number of them that they are not able to actually slap a barcode on, get a name a full name, a birth date, what have you, whatever identification they can provide from where they came. That's She actually said that. With a, what they're doing is they are undoing the limited immigration that happened when Trump was president because those people have a God-given right 
to sneak into the United States and become citizens here. Let me tell you something, and, and, and I think that what Biden is doing, even though it wouldn't meet the textbook classical de definition of treason, he is a traitor. He is a traitor to the state of Texas, he's, to the people of the state of Texas. He's a traitor to the border states where the uh, the first incursions occur. He is certainly not up, up, uh, upholding his duty to protect and defend the U.S. Constitution because it does say that Congress shall make a uniform rule of naturalization. Congress did make one, and it doesn't include what's happening now on that uh, on the border with Mexico and the United States. So it may not fit the textual constitution definition of treason but he is a traitor and he ought to be treated as such you know the problem with treating someone like biden as a traitor and and, and charging him with treason is if you convict him you got to hang him <laughs> and <laughs> well nobody wants to see a decrepit senile wasted life of an old man swinging at the end of a rope yeah, and I don't want to see babies dismembered uh, either, uh, Maggie. But there is a part of the definition of treason that says giving aid and comfort. Providing aid and comfort. Okay, the Biden regime is doing what? Telegraphing, telephoning, whatever the case is, carrier pigeoning. The location of safe points to enter illegally. Now, there's a difference between a citizen of Honduras, a citizen of Venezuela, and a citizen of the United States and of the state of Texas. One actually has a claim to belong here. The other doesn't. Isn't the whole point of the border and uh, the differences in countries um, and the reason that you have a border and in this instance to protect it? Don't the citizens that live here already, don't we get a say-so on who gets to come in and who doesn't? You know, I heard the mayor of Eagle, uh, uh, is it Eagle Pass, Texas say that, look, we're, uh, we're all for legal immigration. We should have legal immigration. They shouldn't be able to come in and immigrate the legal way. I think we need to stop saying that. I think Americans need to stay up saying, we're, hey, we're pulling the drawbridge up. No, you can't come in. We have had enough of you. <laughs> and, 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 and we should be very specific about this. You see, though, we've all been brainwashed with this idea that assimilation is a good thing. And that uh, because people came here from Ireland and from Spain and from Italy as they were escaping the horrors of this thing called democracy that was being hoisted upon them, placed upon their backs and their heads by the same demon-worshipping libtards that were over on the continent, those people were trying to escape that and came here because that wasn't happening here. Well, now that it's happening here, where are people in this country to escape to? Well, maybe we shouldn't escape. Maybe we should start defending. Maybe we should start saying, like, "All right, uh, yeah, we're not gonna, we're not gonna do that." If you order us to do it, we're just gonna take it as an illegitimate order, and we're just not gonna do it. We're not gonna carry it out. Here's a great. I don't usually play sound bites in the opening monologue, but to, just to get us going on this, I'm gonna play this one for you. 
Play digital media file number one. Now, for all you Ramaswamy boys and gals, for all you Ramaswamyites out there, I, uh, I want you to hear Vivek's take on the question of true sovereignty of states, which New Hampshire is. As a matter of fact, especially in the state of New Hampshire, New Hampshire can actually say that it predates the Constitution. That the people in New Hampshire participated in a convention that created the Constitution and the Union. If you can participate in the creation, you can participate in the uncreation. So, now this question just comes up. Now, I guess... His handlers must not have told Vivek what the Free State Project well, is. I mean, that's even worse. The porcupine are, these are the doctrinaire libertarians. Okay, th this is no God, no law, no, nothing. You have private property and you have uh, free trade and that's it. So, uh, and I'm not sure why he went there because these are not the kind of people that he thinks that they are. And the first question that he got will illustrate that. It's a good one. Listen. So in, uh, in 1860, a uh, corporate-tied former railroad attorney was elected to the United States presidency, and for a number of very complex reasons, a number of sovereign states decided uh, peacefully and democratically to leave. They were brought back at the point of a gun by generals that burned, loot, murdered, raped their way through the Southland, and uh, uh, Journalists and people of the opposition were put in jail uh, here in, in the north. Uh, that, that centralizer effectively ended government for, by, and of the people, it's, one could argue. So my question is very simple to you. Um, here in New Hampshire, we have an active secession movement. Um, my hope is that one day New Hampshire will actually leave the so-called United States. So if you're elected president, what will your response be to us peacefully leaving what is now called the United States of America and becoming a sovereign nation? Will you have the same response or will you support that act of uh, sovereignty and um, autonomy? So I'm dead set against a national divorce of any kind and here's why. Once we have a national divorce, we lose the single greatest guarantor of freedoms in sovereign history, which is the U.S. Constitution. Stop the so tape! Stop the tape! Stop the tape! Not true. Not true. The people of Christendom enjoyed the greatest freedoms in the history of the human race. Not true, Vivek. Patently on its surface, not true. As a matter of fact, the U.S. Constitution was so jealous of those people, it was actually an effort to try and imitate that, but imitate it with designing men at the center to run the whole shebang. The fact of the matter is, is that God was running Christendom, and that even the poorest of people in Christendom had this thing that he calls freedom. Because to them, freedom meant freedom to pursue heaven. While you're here on earth, freedom to pursue heaven without being interrupted or without being pressured to do things, to perform things, or participate in things that might cost you heaven. It was the ultimate freedom. Now, is it possible that you could, that there could be another Christ, uh, a, a set of circumstances that 
those conditions under which those people had freedom in Christendom could happen again and maybe uh, install some safeguards or be aware that the enemy is always at the gates and that the enemy, I mean, the freedom only lasted for truly took 800 to 900 years, depending on whose side you're on, which story you believe, for Christendom to arise, to become uh, the, the civilizational thing that it was. This is around 1,000, 1,000, between 1,000 and 1,100 A.D. or so. So maybe even between 900 and 1,000, somewhere somewhere up in that range. Well, it wouldn't last very long because the enemy figured we, we kept trying to bring it down, to bring it to an end, and he ultimately figured out a way. And that was this thing called democracy. It was this thing called modernism. It was this thing called the Enlightenment, they called it. Ooh, we're going to all be enlightened now, as if being enlightened by Christ and his church and by the pursuit of holiness and a blessed eternity wasn't light. You see how the nominalists, they flipped it. So the first part, that Ramaswamy's first answer is wrong. El wrongo. Now, I'm not so naive to think that there's going to be a state that's going to be, that's going to be a state that would function as one did in Christendom in my lifetime. I mean, it could happen. God could make it happen. But as it took a thousand years to build it up, it may take a thousand years to dismantle this monster that they've saddled us with. But it's just not true that the Constitution is the only guarantor of freedom. That's just a lie. That's something that a non-Christian, certainly a non-Catholic true believer would say. That without the Constitution, we're all doomed. Fiddlesticks, Fivek. Absolute fiddlesticks. And by the way, there was no Constitution in, in Christendom, and there were no sodomites running around grooming children. There was no Constitution. There were very little. There were abortions, but there were very few, and none of them were legal. And I could go on and on and on. You didn't need any divorce. Divorce lawyers in Christendom. How about the freedom to, 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 I could go on and on and on. All right, roll the tape. So I stand for the Constitution. I stand for us being one nation. I think New Hampshire sets a great example for the rest of the country, the live free or die state. We need you in the union so that Vermont and California and frankly, even my state of Ohio can learn a lot more by the example you set. But I think we cannot give up on this ball game. I refuse to give up on this ball game. I will stand up every day for the United States of America, remaining that shining city on a hill that stands for freedom that every state in this union can actually live up to. So that's where I land on that. People walked out. There are some people that got up and walked out. So it's one nation under God, indivisible, and yes, I will point a gun at you, New Hampshire, and I will blow your ass to kingdom come. So if you, leave, you, you if you leave, you're not leaving peacefully. No, I'm not going to let you. I will become Lincoln. No, I, I, no, he didn't actually say that. But the question was, what would you do? And his answer was, I am un, I am one hundred, hundred, count me as a hundred percent opposed to a national divorce. Well, you know what, Vivek, no, he didn't ask whether or not, he didn't say that Ohio couldn't stay in this wretched excuse for a union with Michigan and Indiana and West Virginia and New York, New Teenock, Teetland and Pennsylvania. He didn't say, he, he, oh, he, his question was about New Hampshire. 
Is that a national divorce or is that a very localized, specific divorce? I think it's a very localized, specific divorce, and I'm glad the guy asked the question. And I'm also glad that the, the, uh, the, the, the Free State Project in New Hampshire continues. Now, look, don't get your hopes up. The Free State Project here, as I said, these, were, <laughs> these people would fit right in with those nutbags in Portland a, a few years back. With What was that place they created? Chase. Chaz. No, Chaz. Chaz. They'd fit right in in Chaz. They, they, they won a giant Chaz. So don't misunderstand where the Free State Project and the Pork Fest and those lunatics. I mean, this is a bunch of dope-smoking, smelly, hippie wackos. They get together. If somebody's listening, there's one of them going, Come on, TKD, you were invited to go speak. That's right, I was invited. I didn't go. <laughs> I didn't go. All right. This sets up the treason question very well, uh, I think, as well. And the giving aid and uh, aid and comfort to them. So let's just pretend for a moment that New Hampshire goes like, look, these illegals are coming in here, and we don't want them. So we're going to ask the federalities to stop it, and if the federalities won't, then we're just going to leave the union. We're going to adopt our own laws that protect our own borders, and we're not going to let any of them in. 